You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. We are learning more tonight about the panic aboard a WestJet flight forced to make an emergency landing in Nanaimo yesterday. Transportation Safety Board investigators are now trying to determine why the cabin filled with smoke. Ted Chernecki now with a first-hand account of those terrifying moments captured on camera. Evacuate, evacuate, evacuate. Which side? Back, I guess. Closest. That's a word you don't want to hear once, let alone three times. With a cabin now filling with smoke, 56 passengers and four crew members hastened for the exits. Luckily, they had made it to ground, having just landed at Nanaimo Airport. If there is anyone who sees any, um, I'm not sure where it is coming from right now, but if you do see anything weird at your particular spot, just call us one of the, one of the girls and we'll come there right away. But the whole emergency started five minutes earlier and 4,000 feet higher above water. Then I saw the crew come down about fifth or sixth row, and they were talking to someone, and I overheard the word smoke. So they had noticed it, and I could tell it was up front. And of course, all this happens within a matter of seconds. So if I could just get everyone to stay calm and breathe through your clothes, and also just keep those seatbelts fastened just in case we have to do an emergency landing. A similar incident involving cabin smoke in another Bombard JQ-400 two years ago in the Maritimes led passengers there to ask where the oxygen masks were. In yesterday's event in Nanaimo, no masks dropped because there aren't any. This WestJet aircraft is less than two years old, and because it doesn't fly above 25,000 feet, passenger masks are not required. We were told to breathe through our clothing, which everybody pretty much found odd. But what else can you do? You're, you're in a smoke-filled room, so... Witnesses say passengers on board the WestJet flight from YVR to Nanaimo were surprisingly calm, at least until it came time to get out. I mean, you could tell there's a little bit of confusion, but um, oddly enough, the one thing that ran through my mind was, well, I guess you could tell this is a Canadian flight because everybody's kind of <laughs> mild helping. And the Transportation Safety Board has sent a team of investigators to try to determine what happened. Ted Schnecke, Global News. A couple of more details about that airplane. In June of 2013, WestJet bought 20 of them and put them into service. There is a maximum seat capacity of 78. In this case, it was not full. The company still has the option to buy 25 more. Police have now identified two of the three B.C. men wanted in connection with an attack on a man with autism in Mississauga. A Canada-wide warrant has been issued for 25-year-old Ranjat Singh Dami and 21-year-old Parmir Singh Chahil. Ramina Dayana with more on what we're learning about these men and the third suspect. One of the B.C. men wanted in connection to the shocking beating of an autistic man in Ontario has a long criminal resume, including assault with a weapon. 25-year-old Ranjot Singh Dami of Surrey was also charged on a three-count indictment for several drug offences dating back to 2014. Police alleged the drugs were hidden in his rectum and expelled while he was in custody. Seven bags of heroin, 23 bags of crack cocaine, another 23 bags of fentanyl found in Dami's cell, say investigators. Dami was ultimately acquitted of the charges because of unlawful search and seizure. The other B.C. suspect, 21-year-old Parmbir Singh Chahil of Abbotsford, also has a rap sheet, including charges of uttering threats and possession of a weapon, dating back to 2015. Reports indicate the case resulted in a peace bond. 
The third suspect has not been identified, but investigators believe he may be going by the first name Jason. Police also believe that he could be from B.C. We don't know what the uh, prior contact, if any, was between the three individuals and the victim. Chahil and Dami each facing one count of aggravated assault. Police warn they are extremely dangerous, so if you see them, do not approach, call 911. Dami's lawyer, Jag Verk, tells Global News his client is not guilty and he plans to turn himself in. Romina Dea, Global News. RCMP are sharing a photo of an alleged car thief caught in the act. They're hoping someone will recognize this man. The image was taken last month, the suspect triggering the surveillance camera in a bait car in Chilliwack. You can also find that picture on our website. Anyone who may know who he is is asked to call RCMP. Former Pitt Meadows City Councilor Dave Murray sentenced to nine months in jail today for the sex assault of a minor. His conviction in connection with an incident dating back to 1992. Grace Key has more on the judge's decision and what Murray's victim told the court about how the abuse affected his life. Any comments going into court today? Uh, no, thank you. No comment right Former Pitt Meadows City Councilor David Murray walks into a Port Coquitlam courthouse to learn his fate after his sexual assault conviction. The victim, who cannot be identified, read a statement in court saying, what you did to me changed me forever. She believed people in authority would continue to take advantage of her, adding... I thought what you did was my fault. I am starting to feel whole again. I think we need to just hit pass. The assault happened back in 1992 when the victim was 13 or 14 years old. Murray was in his 30s. He bought her clothes and took her to dinner. One day he started to massage her and that's when the sexual assault took place. He resigned from counsel after he was found guilty. He maintains his innocence. The judge also critical of defense for taking the unusual step to hire a private investigator to gather information on the victim. Now, this person attended 12-step meetings with the victim. The defense telling the judge that he did not know the private investigator was going to be attending these confidential meetings. The judge, without going into details, also made reference to a theory that David Murray has as to the motive for the sexual assault report. The judge said, I trust this proceeding will disabuse him of that idea. Referencing a rape culture and victim blaming, the judge added she was dismayed and troubled with further victimization. Murray declined to make any statement in court. He was sentenced to nine months in jail and three years probation. He is banned from entering Pitt Meadows. The judge also ordered that recordings between the victim and private investigator be destroyed. Grace Key, Global News. Well, there have been some tough calls early on for Premier John Horgan and his newly minted NDP government, but it doesn't appear to have hurt his popularity. Keith Baldry joins us with more on this. Keith, Horgan's approval rating has actually gone up. Yeah, he's bucking tradition, political tradition, Sophie. We have a, a, a habit in this province of turning on our leaders, even if we re-elect them, we sort of have uh, negative personal opinions of them, precisely the opposite of the John Horgan, despite, as you mentioned, navigating through some difficult controversies and making some tough calls, such as these ones, uh, b- the decision to build and complete the Site C Dam. Uh, there's all those taxes that he's brought in, the speculation tax, the payroll tax, the increase in the carbon tax, and finally, of course, that Kinder Morgan pipeline wine 
trading war with Alberta. What has it all led to? Well, his approval rating, according to Angus Street, is 52 percent, the second highest of any premier in B.C. That's up several points from a similar poll in December. And he talked about one of those controversies today at an event in Vancouver, the speculation tax, giving some hints of when we're finally going to see some details of what that tax is going to look like. Here's John Horgan. Minister James has said uh, the day she tabled her budget that she would listen to British Columbians, we would consult on the potential adverse consequences or, or the often called unintended consequences of the speculation tax. And I'm confident that Minister James will have something to say in the, in the days ahead. So the clue there is days ahead. The legislation establishing the, the speculation tax won't be in front of the House until the fall. We thought we were going to get the details some ways out, but now uh, Premier Horgan talking in a matter of days. We'll finally know whether or not British Clemens who own vacation properties will be subject to this tax. The rumor around here is they won't be, but we won't have confirmation, as John Horgan says, not for a number of days yet. Thank you. Well, we'll see what happens then, Keith. Thank you. Also today, John Horgan made a move that's going to speed up surgery for thousands of British Columbians with hip and knee pain. Details on that later on the news hour. The largest solar farm in the province could soon be located in the southern interior. The Upper Nicola Band is set to vote on the project, which would see more than 400,000 panels on the Quilchena Reserve near Merritt. The project, in partnership with Fortis, B.C., has been eight years in the making. It will cost upwards of $30 million and reportedly power 5,000 homes, as well as generate up to a few million dollars a year in revenue. So we had a look at geo, we had a look at wind and solar. And for this community, it made most sense for us to get involved in solar. Because of the footprint that it leaves, it doesn't require a lot, a lot of land to um, develop. If the plan passes, construction could start as soon as spring of next year. Right now, though, hundreds of charges have been laid against dozens of Edmonton teenagers in connection with a disturbing crime spree. And we want to warn you, some of this video may be hard to watch. 35 teens using Edmonton's LRT transit system accused of taking part in a month-long crime spree, including the random assault you see here on a woman kicked down the stairs inside a transit station. Another video shows what police are calling a swarming incident where two people were injured. Police say while two of those charged are 18, the rest as young as 13. Some of these youth are repeat offenders that we know. Some of them are not. I'm hoping there's a wake-up call to all of these teens that were involved in this. For me, it was very disturbing to see that happen. I've taken the LRT with my kids before. Uh, we enjoy Edmonton. We enjoy the downtown area. I think it's safe. Uh, it's things like this and events like this that cause it to come into question. But again, I think this is something that we don't own as a police. We own as a community and we deal with as a community. The teens face a long list of charges, including aggravated assault, robbery, weapons offenses, credit card fraud, shoplifting, mischief, and possession of a controlled substance. A warning now for anyone who booked vacations with a Coquitlam travel agency after Consumer Protection BC effectively shut the business down. 
Our consumer reporter, Andrea, is here with more on who could be affected by this. And Yeah, well, Consumer Protection BC still trying to answer that question. Thanks, Sophie. The province's consumer watchdog is urging anyone who booked with Kamiya Travel to confirm their vacation plans after its license was yanked for allegedly breaching BC's travel rules. Kamiya Travel had been operating out of Henderson Place Mall in Coquitlam, but it appears to be closed and mail is piling up inside. In January, Camilla's license was suspended for allegedly failing to provide financial reports and pay into the Travel Assurance Fund, a compensation avenue for consumers who purchased travel with the license agency but did not receive their vacations. Last week, Consumer Protection BC cancelled Camilla's travel's license effective immediately over allegations the agency continued to sell travel services to consumers during its license suspension. It's unclear how many travelers are at risk of losing their vacations. It's important for consumers to understand that there is a real possibility, uh, we believe, that they may not receive travel services purchased through Kimia Travel. If the travel was booked after January the 12th when the suspension was put in place, again, we will review that on a case-by-case basis. But generally, uh, travel booked after January the 12th uh, would not be um, uh, covered by the Travel Assurance Fund. Now, consumers who recently booked with vacations with Kimia should check with the airlines, hotels, and tour operators involved to make sure everything is secure. We reached out to the travel agency for its side of the story, but the phone number was not in service, and our email bounced back. Kimia clients who are unsure what to do can contact Consumer Protection BC. And a reminder, always book travel through a licensed travel agent so you're protected under the Travel Assurance Fund. Get a detailed receipt that shows the travel and payment method. And if possible, book with a credit card. So if there are any issues, you can request that the charges be reversed. And if you have a consumer issue for me, you can reach me at consumermatters at globalnews.ca. All right. Thanks very much, Anne. BC government making a promise today that will have a big impact on those waiting, often in agony, for hip and knee replacements. The NDP committing millions of dollars to cut wait times in half. Jeff Hastings has more on how they're going to make that happen. Jim has two bad knees, but he can still get around. I have bone on bone, and the pain is so much severe. He's one of thousands of British Columbians in a slow-moving line for a knee or hip replacement. Two of the most common procedures our surgeons do. It's normal to wait. Next September should be, should be due for the surgery. In recent years, 30% of people waiting for hip surgery and 38% of patients in line for knee surgery waited more than 26 weeks, half a year or more. You only know how terrible it is to wait in pain when you have pain. When you don't have pain, you don't think about it. The minute you have pain, you know how, how terrible it is. Premier John Horgan is smiling today, announcing a plan he believes to be realistic that will tackle excessive wait times and speed up the surgical queue for thousands. When we think of health care, we want to know that everyone can get access to the health care they need, where they need it, and when they need it. The most bedeviling part of that challenge, of course, is wait times. 14,390 hip and knee surgeries were performed in 2016-2017. The government's short-term goal is to have more than 19,000 done a year immediately, a targeted 34% increase. The newfound efficiency will be inside and outside operating rooms. You provide a single point of contact for anyone who might need a hip or knee replacement, and you can reduce your wait list to surgeons by half. 
you can implement an operating room efficiency initiative and you can reduce wait lists by 75%. $175 million will help. New money in the budget over the next two years, but money alone may not be enough. I'm concerned where we will find the nurses to meet the needs of these additional 4,000 surgeries. We are already stretched too thin. But the government is looking for a fast impact, a profound effect to put the spring back in the steps of thousands of British Columbians. Jeff Hastings, Global News. Victoria's downtown core is getting some new signage just in time to welcome summer visitors. Mayor Lisa Helps joined First Nations elders and chiefs to unveil 11 new signs written in a local indigenous language. The goal is to honor the provincial capital's roots as the traditional territory of First Nations who speak the Lekwungen language. And this is just the beginning. The signs will be extended beyond downtown into Victoria's neighborhoods. Well, we've all heard the reports about our oceans getting warmer, and now a local researcher is sharing his findings on how bad it really is. As Kylie Stanton reports, he has discovered that some species are shifting north, and they don't really belong here. Oh, look at them all. Whales breaching the surface or sea lions perched on a rocky island are just some of the marine life British Columbians have come to expect in these coastal waters. There's a sea lion right there. But now the swordfish and loggerhead turtle are being added to the mix, two species more often found in warmer waters. This is, to my knowledge, the first time they've been seen um, of Vancouver Island and in coastal waters. Luke Halpin says he saw the creatures while aboard a Canadian Coast Guard research vessel. The swordfish, measuring two to three meters long, was spotted 20 nautical miles from Brooks Peninsula on the west coast of Vancouver Island, while the loggerhead turtle was located roughly 45 nautical miles west of Tofino, a sign their range is not only expanding, but shifting north. And I think it's potentially indicative of a of the continued warming trend, and we're likely to see more of these warm species in our waters. But there's concern over what the influx of these species will mean to our own finely balanced cold water ecosystem. For example, the 14 different sharks and white-sided dolphin will be competing for the same prey. And then there's the native salmon and herring that simply won't be able to physically cope with the warming temperatures. It's amazing how just very, very minute changes in water temperature can have such massive uh, downstream impacts on primary productivity, on species ranges, and on their susceptibility to human impacts. These are adding to already a beleaguered ocean. And, and uh, you know, we believe that we, we really should be um, uh, using a much more of a precautionary approach to uh, how we're managing uh, species in the ocean. To do that requires more research and more funding. It's a big ocean. One swordfish and one turtle could be just the beginning. We don't know exactly what's going to happen, but they may be a more regular occurrence as we see warmer waters off our coast. Kylie Stanton, Global News. Some heartwarming moments as the crew of Victoria-based submarine HMCS Shakutami returned today. After 197 days at sea, this sailor was greeted with open arms and a kiss. Deservedly so, the submarine sailing into CFB Esquimalt after making the longest deployment of a Victoria-class Navy vessel ever. The sub was on patrol in the Asia-Pacific region and participated in a trilateral exercise with our American and Japanese allies. I'm just overwhelmed to be home with these two, actually. It's been a long time. And 
just the happiest. <laughs> this is what I call our payday, a return for all that investment and a chance to see with pride our sailors walking off after a mission accomplished. ERT searched the home of a serial bombing suspect in Texas, looking for clues about his motive. The 23-year-old man blowing himself up early this morning, just as a SWAT team was closing in. But his death leaves many questions unanswered, including whether the threat is really over. Federal officials fear there may be more packaged bombs still out there. Tonight, investigators are on the hunt for more bombs and possible accomplices. This afternoon, FBI and ATF agents at the suspect's home, where multiple sources say they found a treasure trove of bomb-making materials. Also questioning his two roommates, though they're not under arrest. There was no completed devices in the house. Um, there was componentry and the homemade explosive um, material that we found in the house, and that's what we're most concerned about. Now, a portrait of the serial bomber is emerging. Two law enforcement officials identify him as 23-year-old Mark Condit. He lived in Pflugerville, was homeschooled, the oldest of four kids. Condit took classes at Austin Community College, though he never graduated. In a series of school blog posts, Condit wrote that he was not politically inclined. He'd worked as a computer repairman and had no criminal record. He was a kid, neighborhood kid. I was always believe that he was very smart. And tonight, we're getting new details about the massive manhunt to track him down. NBC News has learned from multiple senior law enforcement officials that police identified the bomber's signature as foreign exotic batteries bought online from Asia. Investigators also use cell phone tower analysis of bombing scenes to narrow down potential suspects. Sunday night, Condit makes his first key mistake, seen here going into a FedEx store, wearing a blonde wig, mailing two bombs. That disguise helping give him away. It, it uh, kind of alerted uh, some witnesses uh, that this seemed like it wasn't right, uh, and some witnesses were able to identify uh, the vehicle that he was in. By Tuesday night, police zero in on Condit when he turns on his cell phone. Before tactical vehicles can arrive, Condit drives off and pulls into a ditch, where after 2 a.m., a SWAT team confronts him. The suspect detonated a bomb inside the vehicle. Authorities say he bought the materials for his six bombs that left two dead and four others seriously injured at a local Home Depot. I was very stunned. I, I, I really had no idea that it would be in my neighborhood. Diane Vale lives near Condon's parents and, like many here, had lived in fear for weeks. You say today you're breathing a sigh of relief? Absolutely. Police in Arizona have released dash cam video of a fatal crash involving an autonomous Uber vehicle and a pedestrian. And even though it doesn't show the impact, it still might be disturbing to some people. The exterior view shows how quickly it happened, with a woman emerging from the shadows pushing a bike across the road. The interior view shows the safety driver looking down several times, including in the moments just before impact, when she looks up to realize what's about to happen. The death is the first involving an autonomous vehicle. Uber has since suspended its test program while the investigation is underway. Facebook CEO Mark Zuckerberg finally breaking his silence today on Facebook, addressing the fallout from the Cambridge Analytica scandal. Zuckerberg writing, we have a responsibility to protect your data, and if we can't, then we don't deserve to serve you. The CEO admitting his company made mistakes and that changes will be made to protect users' personal data. There has been significant backlash, with some users abandoning the site altogether, 
after it was revealed the personal information of millions was mined for political purposes. Just for Laughs is changing hands in a buyout deal with a famous Canadian comedian. The company has been sold in a joint deal with Howie Mandel and an L.A. talent agency. Despite the sale, it will be business as usual with Just for Laughs offices and its iconic festival remaining in Montreal. The company was rocked by sexual assault allegations against its founder and president last fall. The scandal forced Gilbert Rosan to step down and sell his majority stake in the company. In addition to the Montreal festival just for laughs produces international comedy tours tv specials and annual festivals around the world including here in vancouver better think twice before bringing home a bunny this easter as too many people do rabbit owners are being warned after a deadly virus was confirmed in both nanaimo and delta the virus does not affect humans but is said to be highly contagious amongst rabbits both wild and domestic the virus has been seen in other parts of Canada as well, but this is the first confirmed case in B.C. If you do have a pet rabbit, monitor your furry friend for signs of illness and contact your vet if you have any concerns. People are also being told not to move their pet into the wild at any time. Well, many can attest to the healing power of music, and now more and more doctors are taking note. At St. Paul's Hospital in Vancouver, music therapists are part of the medical team. As Linda Aylesworth reports, research shows playing a tune can have a lasting impact on a person's health. Being in pain is exhausting. Can you feel it? Not yet, no. Yeah. Fortunately, medication goes a long way to easing 91-year-old George Frederick's discomfort. It's not getting any worse. No. Okay, so it's, it's working. It's right. But something else helps too. Hi, George. How are you feeling? Lucy Thomas is a music therapist at St. Paul's Hospital in Vancouver. Okay, so just close your eyes, relax, focus on the music. There's a lot of science behind it. It's not just a case of coming in and entertaining people. That's a common misconception. A misconception that's changing. Lucy is part of the medical care team in the palliative care unit, where her music helps in any number of ways. From reducing people's breathing rates, um, regulating breathing, can support pain management, it can reduce blood pressure. The idea that music has healing properties is hardly new. Plato called music the medicine of the soul. Aristotle believed it had cathartic properties. But it wasn't until soon after World War I that it was officially recognized by the military to help soldiers, the beginning of the music therapy profession. So George, you talked about wanting to maybe listen to some military music. Oh, uh, Sousa. That's the guy I'm trying to think of. Tears don't necessarily have to be sad, even if they are. It's a good way of expressing yourself and letting it out. And music is very, very powerful. Thank you. Thank you very, very much. You're very welcome. Would you like one more? Well, I want at least one more. At least one more. Linda Aylesworth, Global News. He's so happy. He is. What, uh, what amazing treatment. Very cool. You're watching Global News Hour at 6. A battle.
Brazil is heating up with our neighboring province to the west and to the east, I should say, mm-hmm. and it has nothing to do with pipelines. No, it's about an obsession with Scooby-Doo and how an Alberta woman could steal the world record from a woman in West Vancouver. Danny Meager of Calgary is hoping to take the Guinness Book of World Records title of the largest collection of Scooby-Doo material. She completed her count this week, 1,800 items dedicated to the goofy Great Dane that first came to the small screen in 1969. She says her obsession started early on. That's me. I had just turned four, and I'm at Scooby for Halloween. And I actually have the mask over here. still intact, too. West Vancouver's Becky Findlay probably says, (laughs) because she's held the record since 2014 with 1116 bits of Scooby stuff. My apologies for that. My apologies. Did you relate Scooby's voice? I I tried to do it as a kid. Uh, It's going to be up to the experts to decide who really takes the Scooby crown, though. I think Galas does. Raggy? (laughs) A life-saving message from a galaxy far, far away. We'll tell you what Chewbacca had to say. I'm not doing it. (laughs) Right after Christy's forecast. Chewbacca's always been really hard to do. (laughs) All right, here is Christy now with a look at the weather forecast. And yeah, spring rolls right along. I'm liking it so far. Yeah, not too bad. That's for sure. Double digits, as you can see, 10 degrees. And we saw some breaks of sunshine. But we're still talking about the possibility of snow. The good news is... Not tomorrow, necessarily. Here's a look at your tomorrow. So overnight, the rain will push in. It is going to be really wet overnight through the morning hours tomorrow. But temperatures sort of stay stable at around 7 degrees. It doesn't get interesting until tomorrow evening. That's when temperatures really drop by a good 4 or 5 degrees through the evening hours. So overnight, temperatures could be close to uh, 3 or 2 degrees if you're out in the Fraser Valley tomorrow evening. But... By that point, the precipitation eases off to become a little bit more patchy. So if they do see some precipitation, higher elevations, this is what it would look like. Snow for higher up, but it would be variable. You may see zero centimeters of snow, or you may see a couple centimeters. Lower elevations could see pockets of rain or even wet snow, and it becomes very unstable. There's a chance we could see some hail and a lightning strike along with it. So Friday is going to be really interesting and it certainly could affect your commute to work and home. So tune back in tomorrow. I will have more details on Friday. Tomorrow is a pretty basic day with rain. Here's a look at the travel alert that we have in store for us for tomorrow. Southern BC highways, all of them, a rapid drop in freezing level tomorrow. So the rain will change over to snow really quickly, and we could see a good 10 to 20 centimeters of snow through the latter part of the day tomorrow. Watch for that. Do not be caught caught out on those highways. Here's your forecast for tomorrow so mainly rain you can see how mild it is through most areas except that northeastern corner that's where we will see significant snow some areas up to 25 centimeters winds up to 70 kilometers an hour so we're watching for blowing snow on the highways whiteout conditions meanwhile across the south it's mild tomorrow but it's tomorrow that those freezing levels drop and the temperatures will drop as well so watch for snow higher up later on tomorrow south coast mainly wet tomorrow it's late tomorrow in the evening that the the temperatures really begin to plummet. So Friday morning is our biggest concern for snow. Tune back in tomorrow. I'll have more details on that. And we have a chance of some flurries, but very, very light amounts into our Saturday morning. I'll leave you with this beautiful shot from Peachland after a little bit of snow, as you can see, but a nice glassy lake.
Thanks to Kate for that one. Seems like a long time till we get to fruit season. Yeah. After that one. All right, one thank day, you. One day. One day. A young boy in Chicago got some good news, made even better when it was all delivered by his favorite Star Wars character. So cute. Austin Eggleston has been on the heart transplant list for months. He was born with three congenital heart defects and was told last November he needed a new heart. Look at his reaction. He bonded early with his doctor at Chicago's Lurie Children's Hospital over their love of Star Wars. And Dr. Thrush promised when the good news came, he'd deliver it as Chewbacca. Do we seriously have a heart? 15-year-old's <laughs> doing very well. Can't wait to test drive his new heart. <laughs> so cute. He's a good dancer, too. All right. If you want to do your best Chewbacca. Go I ahead. cannot do Chewbacca. That noise that he made coming through the door is really... Our director does a pretty good... We're not going to be able to. You're square. not going to be able to hear it. it but. No, but I, I heard my father do something similar when he stubbed his toe one night. <laughs> Very close to Chewbacca. That was before Chewbacca was even Chewbacca. Oh, look at that. Did so, you want me to look something up? No, I just, I just, I had to lean over there. Sit down when you're ready. I'm ready. We're, we're ready when you are. I just wanted to check something out. <laughs> his uh, Facebook page, that's what he's checking. No, I wasn't checking out my face. I don't have a Facebook page. I just, okay, here we go. I was going to tell you what I was doing, but now they're telling me to shut up and do the show. Uh, two former BC Lions just learned this. are going to the CFL Hall of Fame. Good for them. Defensive lineman Brent Johnson, safety Baron Miles will both be part of the uh, 2018 class. Johnson set the franchise record for career quarterback sacks. Miles had 10 picks in 2006, which was a championship year for the BC Lions. The induction ceremony will take place September 14th. Well, you know what? The Canucks don't have to try to lose. They just lose all on their own. They're not even trying to tank. They are tanking uh, because they're not very good. They have a lot of injuries. They seem to be out of gas, and their goaltending is not very good. And I know the Canucks at the start of this year really wanted Jacob Markson to become a number one goalie, but he hasn't. He looks like what he's always been, a backup at best. Right now he's tied for 30th in save percentage. Just too many soft goals this year. And going forward, Vancouver may want to rethink the idea of Markstrom being the number one guy unless they really think he can uh, turn it around next year. Well, two teams the Canucks are worrying about these days, at least uh, when it comes to the draft lottery. Coyotes and Sabres. Coyotes playing not as badly as the Canucks and Buffalo of late, and they won this game night. Richard Ponick was a goal there. 4-1 the final, Arizona over Buffalo. All right, the old adage, of course, was go west, young man. But in Vancouver, with housing prices the way they are, it's the opposite. You have to go east. And nine years ago, the township of Langley saw the future population growth and built what would be the Langley Event Center, which has become one of the busiest sports facilities in North America. Christmas Day is really the only day that you're not going to see anything happening in here. It really didn't take very long for the LEC to become the busiest building in Langley. It was that way even before the Vancouver Giants showed up in 2016. If you want an example of how busy it can get, try earlier this month when the basketball tournaments were going on. 
We do 324 basketball games here over the course of 15 days. With, and on top of that, this year we did three Giants games. We hosted the TWU Volleyball Men's uh, Canada West Championships. We hosted the bronze medal game for Canada West Girls uh, Women's Basketball in the same time, and a stealth game. Rodding steals! A chance for history! Scores! When the Giants left the Coliseum for Langley two years ago, they discovered something in their new city. They found out the move was more than just geographic. It was demographic as well. Yeah, it's, you know, it's quite something. At the Coliseum, we were 60, 40 male, female. Uh, that shifted. Uh, last year, demographic was 53 female, 47 male, which is uh, quite dramatic in a, in a hockey world and, and a shift in, in, in the people that are showing up for our games. And that tells us that there's a lot of moms here with their kids. And that's the thing about the Langley Events Centre. It was built before the population boom. And what's filling the real estate around it is more people and more businesses. And uh, to build it in an area that doesn't have a lot of uh, uh, population there is a stroke of genius. It's, it's putting it in place, it's getting it ready, it's on a major arterial, 200th Street, and uh, so, so the area will grow up with it. And, and I, think, I think that was a, a great thing to do. LeBron James, Cleveland hosting the Raptors tonight. Raptors had a great first half. Pascal Siakam. Look at the moves. Ooh, that skills to pay the bills. Uh, 79-64 at halftime. But in the second half, you can't let LeBron go uncontested down Main Street. No, no. He had uh, 35. And then... Lead has vanished. LeBron, Kevin Love for three. Cavs win it, 132-129 over the Raptors. Sweden, Canada both unbeaten at the World Women's Curling Championships. Anna Hasselborg of Sweden. Canadian guard does its job. Uh-oh. Two for Canada, 5-1 in the fifth. And Jennifer Jones for three. Canada ran away to stay unbeaten with an 8-4 win over the Swedes. You know the Carolina Panthers are up for sale. The bidding apparently is up to $2.5 billion. They're not saying much, Sorry, sorry. Did you say billion? Yeah, $2.5 billion. And apparently one of the people involved, a guy named Alan, I think it's Kessenbaum, American, they say in one of the stories he's backed by Jim Pattison. Haven't got that confirmed yet, but if it's $2.5 bill. Patterson has the bank to get involved. Jim, uh, if you're watching, uh, call us. <laughs> Here's a look at your snow report for the mountains. Whistler Blackcomb with a base of 289, Grouse 410, Cypress 405, and Sasquatch 379. Revelstoke with three new centimeters of snow and a base of 255, Manning Park a base of 201, Powder King nine new centimeters, and Mount Washington with a base of 217. Big White with a base of 301, Silver Star 251, Sun Peaks 228 and Apex 279. High tea is about as civilized as you can get. Fine china, dainty sandwiches. It's a practice steeped in tradition. But there's a bit of a twist at a new Vancouver tea room started by a woman better known for aliens than Earl Grey. So welcome to Neverland, everybody. I feel it's fun because you get to talk to all your friends and stuff and you can enjoy tea with them. We would highly recommend Tinkerbell's Kiss Tea. I love all like the, the tea names because they're like about like, Peter Pan and Tinkerbell. It's very cute. And the name Neverland 
was uh, this constant thing I have to just not want to grow up. Terry co-created Neverland Tea Salon with her childhood friend, but it's her other co-creation that might surprise you. Nobody really knew what this place was. Terry and her husband, Neil Blomkamp, co-wrote the Oscar-nominated screenplay District 9, a science fiction action horror film that drew critical acclaim and made millions at the box office. In screenwriting, you do a roadmap for someone else to create something, and Neverland, to me, was the opportunity to actually create it as opposed to you dream it and you create it. It was also a chance to have a special place that offered vegetarian and vegan options for those who want them. My daughter Cassidy was diagnosed as gluten and dairy intolerant when she was 12 and suddenly all the places we would love to go for mother-daughter time we couldn't go to anymore saying well I'm gonna open my own tea salon in Vancouver and uh, next thing you know... Made up of an eclectic collection of mismatched furniture and teacups, Neverland has quickly become one of the hot spots for high tea. And every teacup has a story. The teacup started with uh, my grandmother got very excited, and she lives up in uh, Salmon Arm. And uh, she and all her friends were giving her some, and she would go to the thrift stores up there. $2 a teacup. You never know who you might see at Neverland. And by the way, Terry says there will be a sequel for District 9. Charlto Vickis van de Merva was in here for tea. He was well-behaved. He didn't splash any tea around. But yes, uh, I, I quite love that he was in here for tea. Lynn Collier, Global News.